0: Let's take our Bibles tonight and go to Acts chapter number 17, if you would, Acts chapter number 17. This Wednesday night we'll have our Thanksgiving service. Always a good time, hear some testimonies and challenge from God's Word as well. Looking forward to that. I know many will be traveling, and so we certainly pray for your safety as you're traveling. And um, looking forward to a good time together though, Wednesday night. Thanks for praying for the revival meeting there in Lubbock. Everything went very well. Praise God for that. Had two saved during the meeting, so that was a real blessing. And a young lady in her 20s came even on Wednesday night and walked the aisle. It was really a blessing, so thank God for that. Okay, how about we look at uh, Acts 17 tonight for our consideration in verse number 10 through verse number 15. Acts 17... And this is in reference to the Bereans, so let's look at verse number 10 now. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. This was because of the trouble, of course, they had in Thessalonica, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. That's good, isn't it? obviously that's going to be our focus tonight as you might imagine verse 12 therefore many of them believed also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men not a few in other words there was many that came to Christ as a result verse 13 but when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea they came thither also and stirred up the people and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. How about we look one more time at this remarkable verse, maybe one of the more well known verses in the book of Acts, verse number 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily and uh, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them, it says in verse 12, therefore, many of them believed. May God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated tonight, please be as the Bereans. Read a book uh, maybe a year ago or a little bit more missions related book, uh, called Radical, taking back the faith from the American dream, taking back the faith from the American dream. David Platt is the author of the book and he shared his experience of teaching the Bible in an underground house church in China, underground house church in China. Now we have, uh, Young man at Heartland Baptist Bible College who's an M.K., a uh, missionary kid from uh, China. His dad works there, but Ray, and then also Sean. I'm not sure if Sean's here tonight, uh, but Sean was here, I know, this morning. Sean was saved. He uh, was a student at uh, CCS, and and then uh, through the ministry here, and of course, uh, Brother Lutie and Miss Beverly Smith had him in their home and came to Christ. Wonderful story. And in um, <clears throat> any case, is uh, doing discipleship, even now, while still here in Oklahoma City, but um, this was in reference to an underground house church in China. He said on his first day, they asked him to lead a Bible study. They, they met at 2 in the afternoon. So he put some thoughts together for a short Bible study. He said there were 20 uh, church leaders that met together. Eight hours later, they were still going strong. He said they studied one passage and the leaders asked about another passage and it just kept going. He said uh, they asked about meeting again the next day. He said that they uh, indicated that they would take time away from their fields where they worked. They were farmers and, and made their living that way, but they also were leaders of these house churches. He said they would take time off to study as much as what he was able to do, and so... He asked about meeting at the same time. Would you want to meet at 2 o'clock? They said, you know, actually we'd like to start a little bit earlier. Could we start in the morning? When he asked how long they wanted to study, they said all day. For the next 10 days they met for 8 to 10 hours a day. 8 to 10 hours a day. He said on the second day he introduced the leaders to the book of Nehemiah. They asked if he could teach them the whole Old Testament. As a survey. So, for the next 11 days, he taught all the Old Testament. He said, on the next last day, they finished Malachi. He said, I still had 12 more hours to teach. He said, I wasn't sure what to teach. So, he said, he started in a, on a random subject when he is interrupted by one of the leaders who said, This, uh, we have a problem. You have taught us the Old Testament. But you have not taught us the New Testament. We would like to learn the New Testament today. All the others nodded in agreement. So for the next 11 hours, he took them from Matthew to Revelation. He described another setting, one of their meetings, just one of their regular three-hour worship services. I said three-hour worship services I said three hours (laughs) Amen He said there was 60 Chinese believers who secretly and he described how that uh, he also was wearing like a, a, a jacket with a hood on it and wore the hood over and they just made their way through the streets and towns and back alleys and such and then one guy would meet him and another guy would pick him up and eventually ended up in this room 60 of them in a small room. They were all sitting on the floor. The roof uh, was low with a single light bulb dangling uh, from the middle of the ceiling as the only form of light. No sound system, no entertainment, no cushion chairs, no heated or air-conditioned building, nothing but the people of God and the Word of God. And strangely, that was enough. How about that? Strangely, that was enough. He said, God's word is enough for millions of believers who gather in house churches just like this one. His word is enough for millions of other believers who huddle in uh, African jungles, South American rainforests, and Middle Eastern cities. But is his word enough for us? He said, "Uh, what would we do if we took away all the padded pews? And you had to sit on the floor. And what if we... Didn't have air conditioning and heat, and what if we did I mean, he just went down the line. Would you still be coming? It's a good question. It is a good question. I believe these believers in China sound much like their forefathers. Some from a different time and a different place. A group of believers, a group of individuals who became believers in a town called Berea. They were very, very similar, though very different at the same time. Tonight I want to challenge you, um, and I believe you've already had challenged. I imagine we could probably go ahead and have an invitation, but we're supposed to have a three-hour service here tonight. (laughs) We're supposed to go till about midnight, and uh, you're supposed to call in to work tomorrow and say, I'm sorry I can't come in because preacher's starting in Genesis and we're going through. How about it? It's humbling, isn't it? It really is humbling. Really is because you know, we, we take so much for granted what we get, what we have the privilege. It, it, it's not that I have to, but I have the privilege I get to. Yeah. Well, Paul said, or Luke said to, to Theophilus, the man to whom he's writing, he said, Let me tell you about these folks in Berea. They were more noble, and well, I'll explain what that means here in just a moment, but they were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica. Why was he saying that to them? Well, I believe his main intent is he's just going through as Paul and others went. He's just simply showing the word had a different effect in different places. People responded to it differently. He, In fact, uh, Warren Wiersbe had a good outline on this particular chapter, chapter 17. He said there were those who refused. That would be in reference to the Thessalonian Jews. They refused. And then there was the Bereans. They received. And then as we turn to Acts uh, 17, the latter part of it, Uh, with the people of uh, of athens they ridiculed so there's an alliterated outline you ready they either they refused it or they received it or they ridiculed it but really that's what we're seeing as we go through the book of acts there was all kinds of different responses i'm telling you when you turn into chapter 17 and verse 10 through uh, the verses that we read there verse 15 it's refreshing it's encouraging to hear wow these folks they wanted to hear they wanted to hear. And I want to thank God. I love preaching. My favorite place to preach in the world is right here. And I thank God you're receptive. And But as, as I also consider that, maybe not everybody is as receptive as what they should be. Is that possible? There's different levels of being receptive right here. There's some that are so eager wanting to take it in. I mean, we've got kids here taking notes. I mean, they're writing stuff down right now, and it's all about the sermon, right? I mean, it... It is. It's all about the sermon. They're getting it. They're writing stuff down. Yep. I tell you what's been a blessing to me, some of them maybe because of uh, their school their Christian school or homeschool or something. Uh, they've come to me in the uh, foyer and they'll have their notes, what they took during the service. And I'm supposed to, as the pastor, the man preaching to sign my name to it. That, that, yes, that's what I preach. I'm telling you, they take good notes, very good notes. You all keep that up. That's fantastic. And um, yeah, in fact, better notes than what I had. So, anyways, but I thank God for that. I thank God for children and others. And but you know, I mean, let's just let's just face it. um, We can grow a little bit dull in our hearing. We hear it so often we can take it for granted. We're guilty. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. We all can be. I can take for granted that I have the privilege of preaching. And I can look at it as more of a chore, like, man, I've got to get this one done again. And that, hey, that's totally wrong. No, it's not that at all. And I'm glad to tell you, and by God's grace, that's not how I feel about it. Uh, there's times I open up my Bible and I think, my soul, I can't believe I get to do this again. This is great. It's wonderful. Yeah. I want to be like the Bereans. Isn't it great that, uh, I mean, you know, how many Bible classes have been called the Bereans or, or churches, the Berean Baptist Church. Some of you are from Berean Baptist Church. That's why, right here, what we're reading about tonight. I want to have that kind of heart, and I want you to have that kind of heart as well. So I believe that's what Luke was trying to encourage. Theophilus was, listen, just think, as you share the gospel, there's going to be people like the Bereans, and you ought to be like the Bereans, Theophilus, he might say. So let's uh, let's just notice tonight uh, how that they were receptive, what they did. Just, uh, just go hear these verses in particular, as we've already read twice, verse number 11, but So the missionary team, we're talking about Paul, Silas, Timotheus, they left from Thessalonica. They had to escape, um, which again, you know, much like in parts of the world today, there's persecution going on. But it was here and they had to escape from Thessalonica. And they went 45 miles, probably a three-day journey, kind of out of the way. This uh, place Berea was off the main road, but there was evidently a sizable population there. At one time, it was one of the uh, capitals of one of the uh, districts. There are four districts there in, in Old Macedonia. And, and uh, so this was one of the capital cities, so a notable city. But what's most notable were these, these Jews. This is not common. I believe that's why he took some time to kind of point this out. He said, nah, these, uh, these were more noble. That word noble, of course, it has to do like with nobility, you know, in, in certain contexts, but that's not what he's talking about here. It's not their social status, but he's he's saying this. These were more; they were more eager and willing to learn. They were they were more open-minded. In fact, they weren't prejudiced against the word of God. They they didn't immediately just dismiss it. Thus, they were open-minded. That's what the word uh, "noble" has as as its meaning in in this particular context. So these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now he's not being critical of the folks in Thessalonica. He's just simply saying, listen, I preach there, or, Paul preached there rather, and they weren't very receptive. In fact, he met with them for three Sabbath days and they weren't quite receptive. But let me tell you about these people in Berea. These were more noble in that, look at it, in that they received. The word received means they welcomed, they accepted. They were glad to hear, okay? They accepted it. They received the word, the message. They received the word, look at this now, with all readiness of mind. They received the word with readiness of mind. The word readiness of mind means readiness has the idea of zeal. Zeal. They heard it with zeal. Um, They were very eager. There's another good word. They were very eager. They were very eager readiness of mind eagerness of mind okay let's read on here it says and they and search the scriptures okay this word search now I'm going to put all this in a way that you could um, uh, quickly understand here in just a moment but let's just go word to word here they searched the scriptures it means the process of evaluation they evaluated what Paul was saying they examined it they questioned what Paul was saying isn't that good You'd think, well, that's the apostle. Paul, they shouldn't question what he said. He wasn't offended by it at all. He was glad for it, that they questioned. They, not, not, in a, not in a negative kind of way, but just, okay, now I want to know more about that. Okay, so you're saying that Messiah would die. Now, now show me where that is. Can you imagine the conversations they had? So you're saying that he would rise again. Is that in the Old Testament as well? Can you show me? And he'd go maybe to the book of Psalms or he'd go to Isaiah. And they, just, and they themselves, I mean, they had their own study groups or they got together and said, Now, you know what he said here? I, I made a note of this. And he said that, that Jesus is a Messiah and here's why. And so, listen, they just began to search the scriptures. See, the gospel provokes that kind of searching. We ought not to be afraid of people's questions. We don't have to be afraid. The gospel is sufficient. The Bible is sufficient. I don't mean it in the wrong way, but bring it on. Yeah. Bring on the questions. That's fine. I realize sometimes people can ask questions to try to get you off course, you know. And uh, that that can be dealt with by just getting back on track. But some of their questions actually begins to reveal the heart. And so he, they were questioning. They were studying carefully. That's the idea. They studied carefully. They wanted to learn the nature, the truth of this, to see if it was really true. I I like this. Actually, one individual said that this was a legal term, this matter of searching the Scriptures. This word searching was a legal term. It means to put it on trial. They put it on trial. Um, He said they needed to test or cross-examine the Scriptures to see if Paul's case proved to be true. Now, we'd like to call another witness to the stand, they might say. We've heard what Paul has said. Let's hear what Isaiah said long ago. They're cross-examining. You know, the Bible can undergo that type of scrutiny. It can be cross-examined. They wanted to verify that Christ, yes, was to suffer, that he would rise again. And we, he wanted to verify the kingship and the lineage of Jesus and to make sure that it all matched up. And it didn't matter where they were, whether in Micah, as they were lear- learning about Bethlehem being his birthplace, or Isaiah about his suffering, everywhere they turned, they saw Jesus is indeed matching up with what we find here. So thus it says in verse 12, therefore, because they searched the scriptures, therefore many of them believed. Oh, I I skipped an important word after they searched the scriptures. Look what it says. Daily. They didn't wait till the next Sabbath day. Um, This truth wasn't just a one week, once a week kind of thing. They searched it daily. How long every day? I don't know. But it just says they searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so. And thus, upon careful examination of the Scriptures, many came to faith in Christ. Well, unfortunately, in verse 13, here come the troublemakers. They went 45 miles to cause trouble. They went out of their way to cause trouble. Isn't that a sight? But that's what they did. They went 45 miles to cause trouble to the gospel ministry. And thus, once again, Paul had to flee. This time to Athens. And uh, Silas and Timotheus were able to stay behind this time and they would join up with him later. And uh, Paul's going to have quite an experience there in Athens. But I love what it says about the Berean believers. And could I give it to you here this way tonight? I believe they were commended because they did these four things. You ready? These four reasons. Number one, they received the word eagerly. They received the word eagerly. Number two, they examined it carefully. Number three, they... You getting this, kids? Doing all right? Adults, you getting this? Okay. They received it eagerly. They examined it carefully. They studied it daily. And they applied it personally. Now, that's how we ought to go about Bible study. That's how we ought to go about church life. Receive it eagerly. I want to ask you tonight. Okay? Now, again, the four, they received it eagerly, they examined it carefully, they studied it daily, and they applied it personally. And that changed their life. So I want to ask you tonight, do you, I'm asking you, do you receive the word eagerly? Eagerly. Well, I believe that you do. I, I've already said that, but I don't mind to say it again. Here you are on a Sunday night with cold weather. It's not that bad, come on. But here, I mean, you could have found an excuse not to be here. And I know there are some who, by the way, want to be here, but physically are not able to be here. And I sure wouldn't want them ever to feel bad about that. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. And so I realized tonight, in many ways... Uh, This is like preaching to the choir, but also know that the choir can be off-key every now and then. Isn't that right? Not our choir. But all of us can lose eagerness. You know, we get eager about other things. Kids right now are eager to find out, man, I hope it snows like two feet. Why? Because they love snow? No, because they don't want to go to school, right? They're eager to find out what's it going to do, you know? It's not just little kids either, right? It's college-age people. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Some are praying not just for the rapture, but for the snow, you know. Yeah. I'm eager to eat Thanksgiving meal. I gotta be honest with you. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to eating it again and again and again. I'm looking it's it's even better it as leftovers. Too bad you can't make leftovers from scratch. You know what I mean? <laughs> some of you might get eager about, you know, what sales are going to be on Friday. I mean, you've got it, you got it all mapped up. In fact, you've already found out you can get ahead of it. They're already doing some of them right now. Isn't that right? Yeah, you get excited about that. Some of you are eager about hunting. Yeah, that's good. That's all right. Some of you get eager about uh, the next phone that comes out with an apple on it. What's the next new, sorry. What's the next new thing? You might be eager about that next text. You know, that's what life's about, right? Or you might be eager about seeing the grandkids. Hey, I know I'm I'm talking to somebody right there. Man, I'm so eager about seeing those grandkids. And then you'll be eager to send them home. Is that how it is? You know, I think all that's great, but I want to ask you tonight: How's your attitude towards the Word of God? Do, Do you have that eagerness? Do you want to hear it? Do you? How much do you know? I appreciate it. Here, just a few weeks ago, I'm not going to name the individual, but he came to me. He grew up pretty much in this church, and he said, "Brother Gaddis, I just want to know more about the Bible. I, I don't feel like I could, uh, I could explain to the guys at work, you know, uh, some of the key doctrines. I, I just, I want to know how to do that. I, not this good? I commended him for it. I thought, that's great and. And I mean, he's faithful, you know, in the times, but he said, I want to know, you know, what, what the Bible is. And so right now I gave him a book, by the way, that was given to me when I was a young person, a teenager and, and a man named Larry Hanson, I've kind of got even reconnected with here. He's back in Tennessee. But anyways, when I was a young person and I was called to preach, he gave me a book, a survey of the old Testament, a survey of the new Testament. And it just kind of lit a fire in me for Bible study. Very easy to understand. And so I just, I've blown that book out. And and um, and so he's doing his own study. But I appreciated that, that he wanted to know more. He wa- That's eagerness. That's eagerness. I want to know more. How much do you know? How much are you learning? There's, there's folks here that maybe you've been in church a long time, but maybe you couldn't articulate some of the doctrines of the Bible. You ought to be a, ought to be a hunger. Don't get satisfied with status quo. Don't get satisfied. had that eagerness. Would you be willing to meet 8 to 10 hours a day to study the Bible? You know, sometimes I'm afraid we get too much of this. You know, man, come on, come on, come on. Let's kick off. Or they've already kicked off. You know, we, we, get, too, uh, we get too much in a hurry. And thus, we're not really learning what we ought to learn. Now, I, we try to just preach through the Bible here. You know how we do this? That's not boring. I, I try my best and other preachers here. It's not boring. And in fact, I know Brother Ted just preached about the awe, losing the awe. Hey, let's not lose the awe of the Word of God. Yeah, just preaching through it. Now, I not want to preach on topics. I'll be honest with you. I just, I, I like to do that, but it's a lot more work to preach on topics. You know why? Because every text you use, you've got to make sure you're using it in its context. It's a lot easier just to preach through the Bible by way of exposition. And when you do that, here's what I found. Here's what I found. You listen? I found that when I preach through the Bible, I'm going to preach on topics I never would have thought of all by myself. But God already did. It can feed your soul. Now, I think there is a place for preaching a topical message or a textual message along those lines. It's not so much how much of the Bible you're biting off and making sure that you're true to what that Bible said. But we ought to be eager about it want to learn more, want to hear more, never growing weary of reading your Bible. Maybe you've read it before, but read it again. God's going to show you something different because you're at a different place of life. His mercies are new every morning. Do you have a plan to learn it? Do you have a plan to learn it? I just want to learn more. Can I ask you this? Do you listen to preaching and teaching with an open mind? Do you listen to preaching and teaching with an open mind? I'm talking about here at church. Do you listen to it with an open mind? Or could it be this, could it be this, that you's, your mind's already checked out? Because I've already heard about the Brians before. You know, that's a danger for us. It's a danger for us. God help us. I've already heard that before. But there's some new believers in here. This first time you've ever heard of Brians. Am I right? There's some new believers in here. And first time listening through the book of Acts. Man, this is exciting. But it ought not be exciting just for new believers. Is your mind closed because you're just here out of habit or obligation? Is your mind closed because you're more interested in other things or other people, like the person beside you or somewhere else? Are you eager? I'm asking you, are you eager about listening to the Word of God? It doesn't matter who's preaching it. Listen, it's the Word of God. Are you eager? Young people, I pray that uh, you pay attention and see some, some of the... Uh, Older sheep that's here. As that song, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, talked about the older sheep. God's cared for this church and these people, and you've got a rich heritage. The reason you do is not because of these buildings and lights and everything here, though we're thankful for that, but because they're trying to pass on to you what you really need. Thank God for that. How about um, while you're uh, talking with one another that you just turn the conversation to spiritual matters? You say, well, I don't want people to think I go all spiritual on them. <laughs> now go ahead and go spiritual on them. That's all right. You know, as, as the people of God, we ought to want to talk about spiritual things, not just the weather and not just uh, football, not just fishing and hunting and shopping and kids and all that. I mean, all that's fine, but let's talk about the Lord. And, um, and fellowship, I believe that's what fellowship is. This past, this revival I preached, there was a group of uh, individuals from Bethany Baptist Church that came over. Every night they came there and they were on the front row. Man, they were eager, I'm telling you. They were, some of them newly saved and uh, you could tell it. But their eagerness, it was just, it was inspirational to me. It was encouraging. Let's be like that. And we can't all fit on the front row. And I don't think, by the way, that you have to sit in the front to hear. But wherever you are in this auditorium, wherever, you ought to have an eagerness. I want want God to speak to me. I want it so badly that I'm going to pray that God would speak to me. You might be saying, you know, I just don't get anything out of the services. And that could be my fault as the preacher. I know it's not the fault of the Bible, but could some of it rest with you? Because you've lost your eagerness. Okay, number two, do you examine Scripture carefully? The day and time in which we live, you better be. By the way, it doesn't matter who's preaching. You better check it out to make sure that what he's saying is the Word of God. Especially if you have your radio on. Especially if you're watching something on TV. Yeah. It won't take you long to figure out that's phony baloney right there. That's not right. But Jesus told us that there would be wolves in sheep's clothing. And Paul warned us that a day would come when they would not have a heart or a desire for sound doctrine. But they will have itching ears and they'll find teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. John warned us in 1 John 4 that that we're to try the spirits and that the spirit of Antichrist would work. And so there's a lot of error out there. If somebody came to you and they said, you know, Jesus was not God, he was a God. And they have a Bible that will back it up. Well, it's not the Bible, it's their Bible they wrote to match their theology. If you have to write a Bible to match your theology, something's off that's exactly what the Jehovah's Witnesses do. Unfortunately, they are using God's method going door to door, but delivering the devil's message. So here we are with the truth. With God's message, we need to use God's method and go door to door. Um, I'm working through a book with uh, some of the men at school and it's by A.W. Tozer and he had a chapter in there, I want to run by you just right quick, called this, How to Try the Spirits. How to Try the Spirits. How, how to Know Truth from Error. And there were seven, uh, seven uh, a checklist of seven. Given any truth, he said this, how does this affect your attitude toward and your relationship toward God? Does this make God look like the whole and highly uh, high one? Or does it diminish God? How does this affect your view of Jesus Christ? Does it bring him down from the status of deity? Do you see how this is helpful? How does this, uh, this teaching, how does it affect your view of scriptures? Does it hold scripture in high regard? Or does it diminish and say, you know, this is not... It contains the Word of God. Parts of it is the Word of God, but it's not all the Word of God. Some of the areas where you come to of science and history, it's not exactly, exactly. it's not exactly accurate. But you know, overall, it has the message of the Bible. Do you realize that there are people that stand behind pulpits and say such foolishness. How does it affect your view of Scripture? How does it affect the way you? How does it affect the way you view yourself? God bless you. God loves you. That's all true, and it's it amazing how that false teachers put enough truth in it? But then they'll say something like this. All you've got to do is just speak the words, and they'll be. Because within you, there is a champion. It's in there. How does it affect your view of yourself? If it elevates your view of yourself, whoa, there ought to be warning flags everywhere. Yep. Isn't this good? Yep. Check it out. Check it out. Doesn't matter how big the church is or how nice his hair is. <laughs> how nice his smile is. Yep. Better check it out and see what it says here. By the way, that goes for anything I preach here. Or anything that's taught in any of these Sunday school classes. You need to be like the Bereans and say, now preacher, I... And you might need some further explanation or some clarity sought. But it may very well be... Listen, I'm not speaking ex-cathedra here. You need to make sure that what this preacher is saying is matching up with the Word of God. How does it affect your view of other Christians? Does it cause you to minimize others and see yourself as bigger, better, more spiritual? How does it affect your view of the world, the world system, and how does it affect your view of sin? So obviously there's a lot more to each of those considerations that he explained, but I thought that was a very good checklist. Okay, so you need to examine the scriptures carefully. You need to cross-examine everything you hear with the word. You know what that's going to do? That's going to put you in the word daily. Because you're going to be hearing all kinds of stuff every single day. How does it match up with the Word? What might you do to examine the Scriptures daily? Could I encourage you to do some basic things? First of all, enroll in Sunday school. You need to be in a good Sunday school class where you're taught the Bible. Study together. Husbands, did you know that your wife is supposed to come to you to ask questions? That means you're supposed to be able to give answers. It means that you need to study the Bible. It means that when your wife uh, asks the preacher a question, he might say, why don't you ask your husband that? That's a good question. All right. <laughs> study the Bible together. <laughs> study it as a family. Be daily in the Word as a family. I know we're busy, but let's, let's not give God our leftovers. Let's, let's make a point. And it's, it's challenging, it's challenging for us to have regular family devotions And, and uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest with you Sometimes I can prepare a lot to get ready here And then just kind of, oh man, I forgot, family devotions That's not right God smitten my heart about that on several occasions To say, hey, what you do here, you need to do at home yeah. And it's not just preachers that need to do that in their home It's every daddy in here I'll never forget, Jerry McFarlane coming to me one time, and he asked, he, he said, Hey, uh, Brother Jason, uh, it was um, just Jerry and his wife at the time, and he said, Now, how do you do your, uh, do you do your devotions together? And I thought in my mind, family devotions. So I began to explain to him how that we, first of all, we uh, say the Pledge to the Bible. <laughs> and then we sing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I said, then I'll do about a two minute, maybe three minute uh, devotion with the smaller kids. We'll sing a couple songs, give hugs and kisses, and then it's off to bed. And Jerry's just cracking up. I thought, what's so funny about this? And what he had in mind was just between him and his wife. So he said, I just tried to visualize myself raising the Bible and said, okay, hon, let's say the pledge to the Bible. Now we're going to sing the B I B L E. Oh, yeah. Well, we need to just be in the Bible. That's the point. Be in the Bible. If you have a son or daughter at home, then maybe take them through a certain book. Study it with them. It may not be a book of the Bible, though it could be, but it might be a good book about uh, youth life and such. And so talk to Brother Seth if you need some uh, directions on what book might be good to go through. But that would be a fantastic study together. The main thing is, is be in the Word. Again I reference the uh, preacher out in Lubbock his name's Justin Osborne. Quite a story. I hope someday that you can hear his testimony. I'd love to have him give it here but but he said one thing that they've started doing on Wednesday nights is they he preaches a doctrinal message but what he does is he gives them doctrinal questions on that Wednesday night that is for the next week. And so they're supposed to study these doctrinal questions. He said, what's been a blessing is that people in the church have started getting together in their homes and they're studying the Bible together. And he said, every now and then my phone will ring and it'll be one of the members and they'll say, hey, preacher, we're stuck. A lot of these folks are new believers. Hey, preacher, we're stuck. Can you help us? And he'll answer and kind of give them some guidance. And and then he said, you know, a little while longer, they'll call again. Hey, preacher, we're we're stuck. But, you know, he said, I love it. I love it. Maybe we ought to hand out study questions for you to take home. But the main thing is just to be in the Bible. Maybe you ought to read a book about how to study the Bible. Could make some good recommendations to you on how to study the Bible for all its worth and how to um, rightly divide the Word. Some of you might have an occasion. I'm going to throw something out to you here just to think about, just trying to be practical here a little bit. Some of you have an occasion... I'm forgetting now what day that John Waterloo teaches up in the school a class called Hermeneutics, which simply means how to study the Bible. But you might even enroll and take one class. Yep. That'd be an idea. He's a good teacher. He says it's the most important class at school. Yep. And tonight it is. Tonight it is. Hey, how about this? Um, buy a good Bible commentary. So that while you're studying the Bible, listen now, just because it made its way into a commentary first doesn't mean it made its way in the Bible first. So you've got to check out the commentaries too. But at the same time, a good Bible commentary could be a help to you. We are really blessed in our day and time to have so many Bible study tools, Uh, both hard copy in the form of dictionaries and concordances and study programs. And so uh, there's a lot of wealth of information there. If some of you are interested, I know there's folks here that we could point you to that could be a good help to you. Uh, Bible study tools by way of computer and even on your phone, your iPads and everything else. There's great ways to study the Bible. Learn Bible doctrine. Whether a systematic theology book, a good reliable one. And again, you know, there's some you have to be careful about. I realize that. But at the same time, learn doctrine. Learn Bible doctrine. This is really a lot of what was behind the True Direction Discipleship classes that we have in the summertime, in which we have, by the way, available at all times. Why am I a Baptist? What's Baptist history and distinctives? Why do we use the King James Bible? Brother Pearson taught that a few, uh, maybe a year ago or so. And then other just uh, areas, basic Bible doctrine and, and some of these uh, areas and more that I'd like to add to it, just so that you could learn and be well-equipped. So number one, do you study the Bible eagerly? Do you come to church with eagerness? Number two, do you examine what you're hearing, checking it out out by the Word of God? Do Do you examine it carefully? Number three, do you study it daily? Do you study it daily? Are you in the Bible every day? Every one of us get busy. I've missed my devotions. I'm sure everybody else has too. You still have to live a godly life even when you miss your devotions. Doesn't it make a difference though when you've been in the Bible in the morning? Getting your heart right with God or in the evening, some of you are not morning people. That's all right. Study the Bible whenever you're most alert. Get some coffee. Okay, I'm not sure if that... Check that out by the Bible, but um, be alert. Study the Bible for yourself. Be in it daily. Be in it daily. You need more Bible than just what you're getting on Sunday nights and other service times. Study the Bible. You heard about the young man that said to his dad, Dad, is the Bible God's word? He said, well, dad said, well, son, you know that it is. He said, well, we better send it back, daddy, because we're not using it. Are you in the Bible daily? It's not just checking off, yep, did my Bible read. No, it's your soul needs it. And your way of thinking needs it. Number four, do you apply it personally? Do you apply it personally? Do you take what you've heard, get a very good understanding of it, check it out by the Bible, and then take it home? Every time I preach, I make a point to preach with application in mind. I don't want to leave people on basis. If you're going to score runs, you've got to take it home. Cardinals didn't do so well this year. Did you hear about that? You know why? Because they left a lot of men on base. A lot of men on base. But just getting men on base with the double or triple or whatever is not good until they hit that plate. And it is my heart's desire, though I'll be honest with you, it's one of my more challenging areas every week to think about relevancy where you see yourself in the Bible and then also application where you know exactly what to do in light of what you've heard. But a lot of this work you also need to do on your own. Thinking about your life and where you live and what you're facing tomorrow and take it and apply it there. You've got to apply it personally. I'm challenged by these folks in Berea. I'm challenged by these folks in China. What if all we had was just one light bulb? But if what we had was the Word, and it is, it's enough. It's enough. Father, help us tonight. We want to be disciples like these early disciples. And I know that uh, so many that I'm preaching to tonight, they're here because they (coughs) received the Word with eagerness. But there's some tonight that are cold or distant, that are just here out of obligation or because of expectations of others or their parents have them here. But I pray there'd be a time soon, tonight even, that they would personally get excited about the Bible. Dear God, help me and others that preach here and teach here. God, help us. It'd be... As we've heard from others, a sin to make such an exciting book boring. I don't want to be boring for one moment, dear God. I certainly want to preach in such a way that everybody would listen. God, I know that ultimately everybody has personal responsibility for their own spiritual development. And I pray that you'd help them to be in your word daily to cross-examine the Bible. To see if what they've heard is right. And to know how, God, please help us to disciple people and Lord, thank you for Larry Hansen in my life and help me to be that type of a man in other people's lives that would just give people a hunger for the Bible and use the folks here, dear God. I know that an area of, of weakness where we need to give attention to would be the area of discipleship and helping new believers grow and even longtime members to be better versed and equipped. God, would you help us there in that area? And Lord, would you help us to daily be in the word and then to apply it? specifically to our way of life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.